Welcome to Safety Talk. Personal safety expert Pete Canavan shares his insights and interviews experts who provide simple and effective tips, techniques, and technologies to keep you safe and secure both online and off. Here's Pete. Hello, and welcome to Safety Talk. We've got another informative episode for you today, and we will be focusing on both offensive and defensive cybersecurity with today's guest and the solutions that you can find at a conference that is put on by he and his company and they're part of. Now, we know that cyber criminals continue to get bolder. They carry out more frequent and ever damaging cyber attacks. And companies must do all that they can from both a technological as well as a financial standpoint that makes sense anyway to protect their business and ensure the continuity of that business. So today you're gonna learn a little bit more about how your company can discovered different ways that you can do just that. Now, of course, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe uh, to Safety Talk on your favorite podcast and help us spread the word and keep everyone safer and more secure. I'm your host and safety sensei, Pete Canavan. And my guest on this episode of Safety Talk is Anant Srivastava. He's the founder of Siphonoid Research with experience in both offensive and defensive cybersecurity development and operations. He frequently speaks and provides training at many cybersecurity conferences, including Black Hat, Nullcon, and ConCon, among others. He also open source projects, notably the Tamer Platform and Code Vigilant, and curates the hacking archives of India, which is where he is located. Come to us from India today. When not engaged in official work, he contributes to open source communities <clears throat> that have a shared goal of spreading information security knowledge. We could all use a little bit more of that. He's especially active in the null community, and that is what we're going to be talking primarily about today. So what can they do to help your company? Let's find out. So I want to, with pleasure, welcome Anant from Siphonoid to Safety Talk. Welcome. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're all about, you know, how we can make both individuals and businesses safer and more secure. We see you know, the threats aren't going away, they're getting worse, they're getting more frequent, uh, anybody can be a target. And so uh, we appreciate you joining us. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about how, you know, we can further educate people because the criminals evolve along with us uh, and our, the technology we use to run our businesses. And with the rapid rise of, of AI, of artificial intelligence, the criminals have even more tools at their disposal, which means yeah. that today's companies are even more vulnerable than ever before. And so the sharing of information in both the tech community and the business community is imperative. And that's kind of where Siphonoid comes in, correct? Well, that's where Nelcon definitely uh, plays a big role. Uh, so uh, to give you a background about the conference itself, uh, Nelcon is uh, right now one of the biggest conferences in India and rather I would say South Asia uh, in its entirety when it comes to information security domain. Uh, this year, we had about 3,000 attendees there, and uh, frankly, we had to close registrations for some of the events because we were running out of space for them, uh, hoping that we'll have more and more people coming in. The conference originated out of a community called Null Community back in 2010. So the community started 2008 with an idea of sharing uh, knowledge with peers, and uh, some of the founders of the community thought that it's a good idea to have a conference around this. So that's where Nullcon came into picture. So okay. Nullcon as a conference has been running since 2010. 
2011 is when I first got into Nalcon and since then I have been attending the conference and uh, I started as a attendee then went on as a speaker uh, I've also done workshops there and for past couple of years I've been helping uh, the entire Payatu team which uh, runs Nalcon uh, with the whole organizational activities so I'm part of the review process I also uh, participate in the uh, background activities around what to do in the conference how to do it new funky things that we could do which brings more crowd into the conference and effectively create the awareness around it so the conference is obviously uh, open to the global community. It's located in India, yeah. correct? Yes, yes. So um, let's let's start off. Um, kind of take a step back for a minute. What tell us a little bit about your background and what has really driven your interest in cybersecurity and kind of brought you to where you're at at this point in your life. All right. So in very brief, I started working with computers since around 1995. 2000 is when I first spotted Linux and I started playing around with it, installing it on my systems and just configuring services and whatnot, reading Linux user groups online, uh, Yahoo groups and whatnot. Uh, 2008 is when I got into the corporate world. I started as a server administrator. Somewhere around 2010 is when I moved into uh, the security community and the security domain uh, because that kind of felt like a natural extension to uh, server administration. I knew how to defend my server, but I was more curious on what, what happens on the other side. What are the other things that are there? And that's how the security domain came into picture. This is the time when I also got involved into null community and from null community to the whole uh, wider group of communities that are there. I have had experience ranging from server administration to uh, say developing softwares around PHP and Python to uh, for past couple of years doing full-time information security work, uh, ranging from uh, pen testing to red teaming to setting up pipelines for people, the whole DevSecOps keyword areas, to now focusing around supply chain security and the distributed web in the mobile uh, areas right now. So that's kind of the uh, in-shot summary of my exposure. No, that's perfect. I appreciate that. It gives kind of people uh, an idea as to how you know, your background and what you were doing initially sort of, you know, brought you here because as somebody who also deals with, you know, networks and server administration and stuff, it def definitely helps us if we understand what threats are out there and what, you know, yeah. we need to look for so that we can protect the networks that are, you know, in our care and uh, and keep them from being, you know, the victims of a, a cyber yeah. attack, of a, a hacking attempt and, there's a whole lot that goes into that. And obviously, uh, you know, it, it's well beyond the scope of a single conversation. And that's why having a, a conference that exposes people to a lot of different, uh, you know, solutions and technologies and things that you may not be aware of is so important. I mean, I love going to conferences like this because you always come across more than one thing, right? Multiple things. And you're like, oh, yeah. oh man, I didn't yeah. even know something yeah. like that existed. You know, and then you yes. see it and you yes. learn about it. And now it's something that if it's relevant, you can look at, you know, how you can incorporate it into your own business, into your own company yep. and utilize those technologies. Definitely, definitely. So uh, 
I'll give an example for this. So at Nalcon, uh, on one side, we have talks happening which are around um, the new and innovative things people are finding. Like, for example, this year, there was a talk around UPI or there was a talk around biometric security. There was a talk about someone trying uh, figuring out how to open locks because all the locks were effectively communicating over Bluetooth protocol and they were able to find the right signals. So they were able to open all the locks. So this was the technical side that was happening. While at the same time, there was another track which was totally focused on the CXO side of equation, where people were basically talking about, hey, cloud exists. Should my organization, which is a non-IT organization, be dealing with cloud or not? Should government be going into cloud or not? Or uh, to the startups and the entrepreneur community where there were discussions ranging from, should I even take funding from a venture capitalist or what does venture capitalist look for while giving a security startup funding? To how do you self-sustain and how do you make money while uh, building your own product? Parallelly, there were workshops happening where people could basically just uh, do hands-on activities ranging from lock picking to uh, say soldering your own uh, hardware badges mm -hmm. and then uh, cross it with uh, what you were saying about tools and techniques so there were live uh, places available where people had or organizations had their presence and they were demonstrating their products you could ask questions a lot of these booths uh, the good part was most of these booths had either the founder available with them or the people who were technically inclined available to you. So it was not just uh, the marketing people selling you things, it were the real technical people actually helping you with the answers and uh, helping you use their tool in a better way. So I'm glad that you way, put that yes, up. the conference, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad yep. you put that up because, you know, I think some people believe like a conference that like this would be just for like techies, right? But you're saying no, that there are yep. different tracks because if you're more technical, yes. there are things that are there and available for you to learn. For example, like you, you just mentioned, you know, you have people who are the technical, you know, the programmers, the technicians, the people that are actually working on the products. But then you've also got the people involved in explaining how that technology can work to the people that are the decision makers on the company, right? Like the CISOs, yeah. the CEOs, yeah. the people that that don't care about, I don't care how it works, just is it going to work, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we try to cater the entire range, right? From uh, I want to get into the information security industry to a person who is in the industry for a very long time, looking to refresh their skill set, to someone who's trying to upskill themselves, to someone who is at the executive position. And like you said, I don't care how it works. Is it going to work? Is it going to be the useful thing for me? And so the entire range is what we cover. Besides what, what I talked about, there are also uh, resume clinics where we are trying to help freshers or people who are just starting with their career, how to get into good corporate uh, jobs. To uh, We have tracks which are, uh, so there was a CTF organized called Vinja CTF. This has been a, a trademark a CTF for the conference for I think about seven, eight years now, uh, where the focus is to nurture and bring women in information security. We are uh, short of women in information security domain, and this is our way of bringing more women in the information security community. So yeah, it has everything for uh, at least something for everyone. No, that's great because you know it, it is typically a male-dominated industry, but yet there are plenty of women that are 
highly skilled that uh, are Definitely. valuable resources to a company. Because the bottom line is that it doesn't matter, you know, man or woman, if you have the skills and the knowledge that can assist a company and deliver results, that's the important thing. I don't care, you know, yeah. who you yeah. are. Um, you know, the, the bottom line is, are you, uh, you know, skilled in what it is that you you bring to the table and, and is it going to work for me? And that's, um, it's it's very important that, that we realize that. And so it's uh, it's good that you mentioned that because, uh, you know, again, there's a lot to know. We can't all know everything. And also, you know, there's a different perspective, right? Because as as men, you and I, we see things a certain way. Okay, we can't help that. It's because of our nature. It's our gender. It's what. It's just how we view the world. It's how we view threats. It's how we view opportunities, etc. Right? We we look at things a certain way. Women look at things differently, and so having a different perspective into other aspects of uh, of whatever it is that we're trying to analyze or assess is extremely valuable. I mean, I've I've worked with companies that are male dominated that have a, a product for women. You know what? that's a tough nut to crack, pardon the expression, because you've got, yeah. you know, men trying to sell things to women. And then, you know, on the flip side, if you've got women trying to sell things to men, it's it's not always going to be the easiest thing to do. So if you have a full range of perspectives that allow you to, and you know, basically enable them to give a, a range of perspectives and viewpoints, that's really valuable in, in every business, I feel. Yeah, definitely. So, the, so it, it sounds like, you know, in terms of who could benefit really anybody at any level within an organization from the top down could benefit, uh, whether it's someone who's involved in the day-to-day -day technical operations as like an administrator or something like that, all the way up yeah. to, you know, C-suite executives, correct? That's that's the aim. That's the aim. So in terms of topics, uh, is it broken down into... Um, like, it, like how I guess my question is how is it organized in terms of the tracks? So if you are right. someone who's technical, how is that broken down? Is it you know cybersecurity? Is it done by industry? Is it done by technology? Maybe we could just kind of talk about that for a little bit to sort of give people an understanding of what you know of how it's laid out and, and what they could expect. So generally, the way conference operates is there are two technical tracks. Uh, with two, uh, uh, the aim is to have two totally separate topics. So people don't have to uh, decide between attending this or that. So if there's a hardware talk happening, the other talk would not be a hardware talk, would be a, a software level talk. So these talks don't compete with each other. That's the aim. Then, uh, like I said, there's a CXO track. So effectively, uh, what we try to do is uh, the, the kind of audience who would be interested in attending a set of uh, sessions in a series, those all are bundled together at one place. So they don't have to keep shuffling around. Like India has a very big community, which is a bug hunters community. The whole bug bounty market and the uh, bug hunter community is very big in India. So we have a dedicated track, which is focused around the bug hunting community. Uh, generally, HackerOne, BugCrowd, Google, Facebook, these companies would be making a presence there and they would basically be going through the whole process. So the idea is not just to tell people, hey, do bug hunting and earn more money, but rather, hey, how do you do it properly? 
what are the good things to keep in mind, how it is beneficial for you, how it is beneficial for us. So those tracks are also there. Then uh, a lot of folks basically attend such events with an idea that, hey, I want to do something hands-on. So that's where workshop tracks are there. Uh, on and off, we also keep happening, uh, keep having a track called Ammo Track, which is effectively tools demonstration. So open source tools, if we have good enough number of open source tools in the uh, submissions, we basically keep an Ammo Track where for two days, uh, a tool gets to demonstrate their own uh, usefulness. And the difference between a talk versus a tools track is in a talk, you're talking about a scenario, a hypothetical situation, or something that happened in past. People can take that learning and repurpose it however they want to uh, do in their own world. But when it comes to the tools track, it's about, hey, this is the open source tool which is available. This is how you can use it. If you have a question, come and talk about it. If you have suggestion, you can talk about it. And from tonight onwards, you can basically just download the tool and use it. So and that is the beautiful thing uh, so, about open source yeah. is it's free, exactly. right? I mean, it's it's everybody. Exactly. It's a community driven. You know, it doesn't matter what the project is, but if it's part of the open source, you know, movement, everybody contributes. Yeah. Everybody makes it better. You add a little bit. I add a little bit. Other people add a little bit, and it you know we all contribute to making it better. Obviously, people are you know validating what it is that the work that's going into it to ensure. Hey, you know, is yeah. this good code? Is it bad code? Could it be tweaked or optimized? Um, but essentially, at the end of the day everybody is helping to make these things better so we can you know have every possible tool at our disposal to uh, to yeah. keep our our systems and our networks and our accounts protected and ultimately our people yeah. right because i mean if if the business is compromised and there's a problem that could cause issues not just with you know with the management and the staff but you know now you've got problems with customers and clients and vendors and suppliers and if you've got yeah. some sort of intellectual Fun. property that's stolen uh, that could be hugely detrimental. You know, next thing you know, you've got a company that's uh, got your product uh, and it's a knockoff made out of some other country at a third the price. Well, you're out of business if that happens, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of things that are out there. So uh, one of the things I was, when you were talking, I was thinking, uh, so how long does the conference run for? So the conference is for two days. Okay. So the way it operates is there is uh, before conference, we have a certain set of trainings. So there's a three day training or a two day training before the conference. Like then a virtual training? Of conference. Uh, it, uh, there's some virtual, mostly it's physical right now. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there are some virtual options also. Uh, then two days of tra two days of the conference. And then what we realized over years was some of the folks are better off doing trainings after the conference. So we do post-conference trainings also. Some set of trainings happen pre-conference, some happen post-conference. So effectively, it becomes a three plus three plus two. So about eight days of total events. Oh, wow. So people can really crunch a lot of training and a lot of knowledge into those days. Because, And I think it's a really good idea to have it at the at, you know post-conference because when you're there, you don't want to miss anything, right? You're trying to see this presentation and this presentation and learn about this tool. And it's like, I don't want to take time up from something else that I could be learning about to dive deeper into this. I'll go deeper into that later. So that's yeah. awesome that you give them the opportunity to do that once, you know, kind of the dust settles from the two days of conference and their brains are ready to explode and, you know, everything has been absorbed. It's like, okay, now they, you know, they probably have made some notes like, hey, I really want to learn more about this technology and this technology and this tool 
et cetera. Now they can go and spend that extra time, you know, spend a few hours with each one of them instead of, you know, 15 minutes at a booth. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. So I, that's, you know, it sounds like it's really something that allows anybody to get exposed to a lot of information. And then of course, give you the opportunity to dive deeper into it with, you know, basically getting it right there, right from the source. And there's yeah. no better way to learn than, uh, you know, being able to ask questions from the person who helped <laughs> develop or design the project or the, or the product, right? Because yeah. you may not understand something and they can be like, well, we did it this way because, and you go, oh, I didn't think of that, you know? So it gives you deeper perspective and understanding into different things. And, uh, you know, especially with technology, right? There's so much out there to know. Nobody can know everything. We all can learn from each oh, yeah. other. And that's really what something like this is all about is, you know, is sharing information and yeah. making people aware of stuff. Another interesting aspect that I've found is if if you are from, say, offensive background, you don't want to deep dive into defense, but attending a talk which is focused on defense gives you a very quick idea or a glimpse into their world. And maybe you would end up saying, hey, you know what, this sounds more exciting than what I was doing so far. Let me jump into this. And that's something that I've seen happening in uh, the conferences. People with a very contrasting background attended sessions which are totally different. And then a couple of years later, they have basically switched their uh, streams. Interesting. Well, hey, we all get bored with stuff after we've been doing it for a long time, right? <laughs> You know, um, I'm glad you mentioned offensive and defensive because uh, it's very important that people understand the difference. Maybe you can, for our listeners, give you your take on the main differences and why someone would want to know at least a little bit about the other, depending on their area of focus. All right. So uh, I would draw the attention towards the keynote that happened this year which was effectively by John Lambert, who is from Microsoft. And the the starting of the keynote was with a screenshot of six different approaches that you can have towards defending yourself. And he was taking it in a classic sense in like a medieval defense, like a defense does, does not just only means a helmet. It could also mean a shield. It could also mean a, a, a barricade and different sort of uh, symbols there. But effectively uh, to your question, uh, what I would suggest or what I would tell everyone is knowing how you operate in your own domain is one thing, but knowing how the other person is going to operate and react and act when whatever you are doing will happen, that gives you a better perspective around how to deal with things. Also, uh, at the end of the day, we are an infosec domain. InfoSec is not about uh, breaking things. The end goal of InfoSec is to secure the organization. When you take that approach in mind, the amount of attacks that you can mount on the organization is not going to help anyone if you don't know how to protect against them. So on one side, no one is asking a red teamer to tell me how to protect, but having a realistic idea about what protections could exist in the market around the attack that you're trying to mount would give you a realistic chance of having a proper discussion when you're sitting in a team. So for example, like uh, just two examples, if you're talking about uh, a DDoS attack, that I did a DDoS attack and I collapsed your entire organization and you should put yourself, you should have some DDoS protection. 
like it's easy to say that you should have ddos protection it's hard to actually have ddos protection in an organization at one point the organization would say okay yeah you know what after this much volume of incoming attack we would have to accept the defeat so that kind of realization if you have helps you in setting the right boundaries setting the right expectations otherwise things just go haywire and it it's the inverse way also you can't just go and say hey you're the attacker you should be able to crack the application in 2 hours that's the time i'm giving you to just uh, do the testing before the deployment to production happens so both sides need to understand how the dynamics work and then it'll be a easier uh, sort of mutual growth for both sides and uh the analogy i would say is kind of like chess right where you're you're trying to think ahead you're trying to think moves ahead of what could they do and how could i defend yeah. against it and you need to sort of almost like read their mind and if you know both sides of it like for example if you're purely looking at things from a defensive standpoint you know how do i stop things well okay you have that perspective right you have that mindset you have the defensive mindset but knowing the different ways that those attacks and those hacks can occur is going to give you a better more well-rounded perspective of that so yep. if there's a, an attack or an offensive strategy that you have not really known about or know much about or been exposed to because it's never happened to you for example you know yep. use a, an example of a, a DDoS denial you know distributed denial of service attack which you know can happen to any organization it happens to many 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 every single day right where your net, your your connection is just being flooded until you become unusable uh but that is something where there have to be layers of protection that you know until you as you said you know admit admit defeat you know does that mean you know we pull the plug and reboot everything you know how do we deal with we have to, we have to involve the the ISP you know and have something happen at their level so they're they're different those layers and as you said the the keynote that was done uh talks about that you know you may have a yeah. moat right around your castle and then you got the walls of the castle and then you know once you get into the castle you've got maybe fences or barricades and so i i kind of get that analogy because i'm a i'm a i'm a martial artist so you know i get the whole offensive defensive mindset very you know more than yeah. most i would say um and you have to have both right you in order to defend yes. yourself whether it's from a cyber attack or a physical attack you've got to be familiar with what sort of attacks you need to defend against otherwise you yep. can't adequately defend yourself or your company yes and uh, and so it's I like that analogy and I use it quite a bit because I have experience in both realms. Now, on the recovery side of it, because we all have seen attacks occur that have become successful, right? Uh, a hacker with yep. the motivation, the time, the money, the resources, and the desire is going to hack into your business. I don't care what it is, right? There's no such thing as 100% secure unless you're completely air-gapped. And that's really not 100% secure anyway because somebody could walk into that room with a you know a flash drive popping in and boom, trash the system. So there is no such thing as 100% secure. What we can do, and I'm sure there are some tracks at the conference about this, and if not, you and I are going to have to talk about it, <laughs> but on the whole recovery side of it, because so much is, attention is given to the prevention of attacks and what can we do to prevent these attacks well what about the other side of that once you are attacked how are you going to recover from that right yeah. what yeah. what threats do you realistically have to prepare for what risks you know are there to your business you know specifically and then how much resources can you afford 
to pour into those defenses because you can't afford to spend $5 million to secure a $1 million company. Doesn't make sense, exactly. right? So there's a there's a, a system that you've got to sort of go through. And I have a great program that does this where you take a look at those risks and you figure out, hey, what is our threat? Uh, what's the threat assessment? What's the chance of these different, different risks occurring? And then what are some you know realistic, tangible investments that we can make and from a financial and a monetary standpoint that aren't going to cripple us, but are going to give us an adequate level of protection? And then knowing full well that they may not work. So what's the plan B and the plan C and the plan D? And you better have a few of yeah. those so that you ensure that you stay in business and don't go out of business. So you ensure the business continuity, you know, when an attack occurs, because it is a matter of when, you know, I mean, it's, it's such an yeah. overused cliche, not if, but when, but guess what? When you look at the numbers and you see the numbers all the time, the, the number of attacks on a daily basis, geez, on, a, on, a, on an hourly basis is staggering. And so, it's, oh, yeah. you know, we're naive if we think it's not going to happen because it's going to happen to your business one one yeah. day, yeah. probably more than once, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what I've seen from the conferences standpoint, and this is not just Nullcon, but rather uh, a large number of other conferences also, there was a wave when prevention was the key factor. Right now, it's not recovery. Right now, it's the detection, which is the key uh, criteria which everyone is focusing on. Right. So how do I detect an attack? Uh, so no one is talking about building the whole layers of defense, but everyone is like, yeah, attack is going to happen. Why worry about building layers? Build a basic set of layers, but then focus on detection. You should be able to identify when an attack has happened. Recovery is something that is still not that much talked about. And I am I know. hoping. I'm, <laughs> That's why I'm yeah, focusing I'm really on really hoping the UB, the, um, what do you say, uh, the... Uh, hacks that happened at Las Vegas uh, uh, casino chains, Caesar and the um, the other one, I totally forgot the name, but the two uh, big hotel chains, both of them got hacked, uh, mm -hmm. ransomed, and then one of them paid, one of them did not paid, and they are still trying to get the businesses up and running. Uh, those, I am hoping, would kickstart the whole idea around, let's talk about recovery, because uh, right now, the trouble that I see is, People are not even confident about their own backups. They know That's that the scary. backup happens, but a lot of them don't even know how to recover from their backups or given a chance of whether I should bank on recovering from my backup or should I pay a ransom? A lot of people might actually tilt towards paying ransom because they'd be like, at least I'll have a guarantee that the data would be recovered. So that's a strange. Well, if the, if the cyber criminal provides the key and they let you yeah. unencrypt your data, because <laughs> and I I just gave a presentation on on this exact yep. scenario because if you do pay the ransom, right? Let's say they want you know There's whatever twenty five thousand yeah. dollars and you get your key back. Well, you pay the twenty five grand and now they say you know what, we want another ten. <laughs> it's like wait a minute, I just paid you. Well, okay, you did, and now they know that you've got the resources. Now you paid it. Now you got to pay them more. To yep. do it. Well, now you pay them another 10. What's to say they don't say, all right, give us another 10. Now, yeah. to be fair, and, and it's pretty ironic, but it's true, most of these you know, perpetrators of ransomware attacks are ethical, right? You pay the yeah. ransom, they I give was, you your key. I was hoping you'd use that term. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny, but it's you know what? If they didn't, then the whole scam falls apart. 
right? If, yes. if everybody paid the ransom and nobody ever got the keys back, well, guess what? You're never going to pay another ransom. Now, of course, CISA, yeah. right, the cybersecurity uh, infrastructure agency of the government in the United States here says, don't pay the ransom. And you really shouldn't because you're validating what you're doing them. Exactly. You're giving them more resources that they can dump into more attacks to cause more damage yeah. and wreak more havoc and make more money. And it's a perpetual cycle and it's not exactly. good. So having a good plan in addition to good backups, and I agree with you 100%, yeah. companies don't trust the backup and they don't want to take the downtime on a, say, a Saturday night to pull the system down, restore from a, a, a backup and see if it works. They're afraid to do yeah. it. Well, that's why you should have a second system. You know, have a redundant server, S restore it to that, see what happens. Have a, a, you know, there are ways that you can test it, but they, I think they're like, ah, oh, it's too inconvenient. We don't want to do it. We don't want to pay the overtime. It's like pay the overtime. What are you going to pay if you get hacked? Or what? What's the what's yep. the consequence yep. if you go out of business? I mean, it's a drop in the yes. bucket when you look at the big picture. Yeah, and and I think that's where the. Uh, I am hopeful about the whole uh, Vegas uh, casino hacks because that's going to give tangible numbers as the losses they've incurred. One company paid the ransom, got their systems back in two, three days. The other company had to deal with it for 15, 20 days. So the amount of losses both of them incurred would give people an idea that, hey, this has consequences. And the more adapt you are to this the more you are aware of your own systems the easier it would be to deal with it and that's where uh, the other uh, pet peeve of mine comes into picture people and this is for everyone in information security industry or rather it industry not information security industry people are reckless when they start building things they don't care about where they're sourcing the inputs from and be it open source be it commercial whatever uh People are reckless when they're adding more stuff into their organization. And there's a term attack surface. And the ideal approach is to have minimal attack surface, but no one is going to go for the ideal approach. So attack surface keeps on increasing and resources deployed to help with that keeps on decreasing. Yeah. And, um, and the more of an attack surface you have, the more vulnerable you are and the more fronts you've got to defend. You know, exactly. you go back to exactly. we go back to this scenario of like a, a castle, et cetera, and defending yourself. If you've got to defend yourself from the front, from the back, from both sides, from on top, from down, like, whoa, hey, well, how you do that? You know, if you can at least focus exactly. your defenses in one area, because that's where you're vulnerable, that makes so much more sense to an organization. And I, I agree 100%. A lot of people, when they're building solutions, they're not thinking this. It's like, oh, we're going to use this piece over here, and our phones are going to use this, and the data is going to be here, and our backups are going to go there, and our CRM system is going to be there, and our marketing is going. It's like now you've got all of these disparate solutions. Stuff is not integrated. You're spread all over the place. It's nearly impossible to have an adequate defense strategy for all of that. Yeah. And smaller companies yeah. don't have the resources. They just go, eh, yes. well, Hopefully it doesn't happen. <laughs> That's not a strategy. <laughs> I mean, this is where I think information security industry going forward needs to start looking at turnkey solutions or solutions which actually help smaller entities have a basic set of security. Right now, I think there are a large number of uh, companies who don't even support SSO authentication as a, a basic level, even at a paid tier level. It's always an enterprise feature or a highly paid tier where SSO gets added into the bucket. So 
this is where the whole approach towards security kind of goes haywire where people are uh, even putting a gatekeep in front of basic solutions which are maybe earlier they were not basic enough now they are basic essential entities because we are not living in a world where uh, you could have a vpn and everything remains inside everything is out in the open zero trust and uh, the whole cloud movement has basically gotten one clear thing that you should use whatever is available and that basically means half of your stuff is all over the internet yeah and you know and you mentioned early on in in our conversation about the cloud and the reliance yeah. on it you know well if a lot i know personally i have clients that are just not comfortable with that they do not want to yeah. put their information on a cloud you know i have i have some attorneys that are clients they absolutely are dead set against it there are companies out yeah. there that provide solutions for them they don't want it. They would rather keep yeah. everything in-house on their servers, protected on the internal network. And they've been doing that for a long time. And so far, knock on wood, right? It's been working. But the minute, as you said, yeah. the data is out there, it's out there. And now if somebody manages to hack into it, who knows where it goes? Like you said, it's, it's all yeah. over the place in an instant. And uh, and yeah. that's not good for anyone. Yeah. And, and I'm going to pitch conference again. <laughs> but effectively, this is where sending your team to events like conference events is where it helps even though you're not planning to go to cloud right now just being part of the conversations around how people are leveraging crowd cloud and how does that fits into your equation maybe you may end up talking with someone who has got experience dealing with those scenarios and that's the other uh, very important aspect of conferences it's not what is happening inside the rooms but what happens outside the room, in the hallway, in the discussion that you have while you are having lunch or while you're just walking to a place with where a similar talk is going to happen. Both of you wanted to attend that talk and you start talking and you end up realizing there are more common factors and you then end up having connects which are more powerful connects than what you would have learned in a talk per se. So oh, you're that's absolutely, another, absolutely yeah. right. You know, it's a lot of times it's what happens out of the room that's so important, like at a lunch or just in a in, in conversation with people, because it becomes powerful yeah. because now you can form alliances and and relationships with people that, you know, can help each other, you know, long term. Yeah. You know, when the conference is over, yeah. the conference is over. Right. Yes. The relationships can can last a lot longer than that. So at the at the uh, for example, this conference, uh, what are some of the topics that are most commonly presented or discussed at, at there? So uh, while we are structuring the conference, the aim is to have diversity of topic as much as possible. So everyone has something to look for in the talks. So on one side, we had James Kettle, who was talking about web application security attacks. Two, we had uh, uh, Nemo presenting on UPI hacks. Uh, UPI is the payment integration technology. So uh, this is designed in India and is now being used across the globe. Uh, multiple countries have started adopting it. So instead of having credit cards as our uh, main source of uh, the swipe ups, we basically have a system of uh, APIs connected with all the banks. So it does not matter us which bank account you use. You can basically fund transfer from one person to another person using a common ID. And the whole uh, layers of complexity are removed. So you don't have to worry about what their account is, what their bank is, what their bank hours are. 
It's almost like crypto. Can, kind of like crypto. Goes <laughs> <laughs> from me to you um, without the bank, right? <laughs> yeah. And so the banks are involved. The banks are there, but the complexity is kind of taken away right. from a normal human. Uh, so they just have to scan a QR code and then do the fund transfer. And it's an immediate transfer that happens. So that technology is developed in India. So Abhay Rana, who was the uh, person talking about UPI hacks, he was talking about his experience. So he comes from a background of uh, an organization where he was working in financial background and was dealing with UPI implementation for their platform. So he talks about his whole journey around how he has developed his own app to understand how the whole protocol works, found a bunch of flaws in it, how they then went about uh, getting them uh, noticed with people and getting some of them fixed. To then, uh, we had uh, talks around biometric security. To then, uh, we had talks about EPB, eBPF. So eBPF is a, a feature that is added into Linux environments. It has huge potential when it comes to protecting the environment, but something that has not been way too commonly uh, used and made available. So we had a proper talk, which was talking about just eBPF itself. And uh, then uh, we had workshops, panels. So a whole bunch of uh, topics were taken together. So if you ask me to have a theme for the conference, there was no single theme. So I can't say that it was a web application security conference or an infrastructure conference, because that's the conscious aim that we have, have as much diversity of topics as possible. So how about the maybe the, the most... Uh interesting or surprising or unique sort of technology or finding uh, at, at the conference or that you've sort of found in the past that you said, wow, it, it really made you sort of, uh, yeah. you were they, it surprised you, I guess. Yeah. So I think eBPF has that potential for me from a defense point of view. Uh, the attack side of after a few years, start feeling like a bit boring because at the end of it, you realize there are misconfigurations or the protocol itself is not secure. Like for example, I told you about a bio, about a Bluetooth related talk mm -hmm. where uh, there were locks and those locks were talking about Bluetooth and it was unencrypted and people were able to get in if they knew what signals to send over. So on the offense side, it's good to know as a reminder that, hey, this situation has not improved, it's still the same. On the defense side, things like eBPF actually make you think, okay, yeah, this is something interesting. It's not that big a deal right now, but let me go back. Let me bring my team together and let's start exploring this as an area where, yeah, this could be something. Yeah, and that's the whole point, right? To get exposed to yep. new solutions that could potentially help. So in terms exactly. of a global uh, effect, what would you say that the... Uh, the activities at NullCon have really done to help strengthen global cybersecurity? So uh, we get uh, the audience from across the globe. So it's not limited to India that we're getting. We're getting audience across the globe. The speakers are from all over the places. Uh, when it comes to uh, defining the impact of a conference, the way I look at it is people who have been attending these conferences have they gone ahead and helped organizations build secure solutions? Have they gone ahead and built their own organizations and done something for the industry? And that's where I feel proud because uh, a large chunk of people who were, so let me put it this way. 
this year at nalcon when we were uh, having booths from commercial vendors who were presenting their own ideas there were a bunch of those booths which were actually members of nalcon or people who have attended these conferences many many years so they basically started in this conferences in this arena then grew within the community and then they now have their own products their own uh, services and now they are coming in as a different entity as a vendor and they are presenting their whole ideas so when i see that then i see yes the conference has given value to the environment does that's that fantastic. answer your question yeah no that's fantastic because you know it it shows that there's that progression right from people that have attended yes. you know simply as an attendee and maybe it made them start to realize hey there's more to this than i realized and it's yeah. you know they've come back they've learned more and then it's you know it's turned into you know a bit of a passion <laughs> for them right to go and yes. and develop their own company or products around something that they learned about there i mean that's yeah that's yeah. neat so it's almost even fostering entre- entrepreneurship <laughs> yes so a, yes which is a, which is pretty neat uh so for people that want to learn more about the intricacies and the technologies that are involved with cybersecurity what do you recommend to those people so attend all classified... conferences what would you say yeah so i'll classify them in two categories there is a pre uh, what do you say corporate world people and there are people who are in the corporate world pre corporate world uh, which is basically students what i would recommend is you are in the golden year of your life spend time learning about as many variations as you can if you're interested in it don't stop yourself with saying okay i only want to learn one programming language or one technology whatever you can get your hands on learn as much as possible in 10 years all those technologies will go away but your exposure to learning the variations would help you grasp any new technology that comes in your way so that's for the students and the way i say them to do is build your own websites put your resume up there set up your own servers explore the entire arena that is there that gives you the confidence that yes i know what i'm talking about that's People very good advice are, yeah people who are in the uh, corporate world you don't have a lot of time to do everything by yourself like you've been saying people uh, that no one can learn everything but you can target attending these conferences plus being part of the communities so there are lots of communities in india there is ovasp there is null there is uh, uh, there are now defcon chapters also all of these most of them offer free um, monthly uh, meetups there's small gatherings uh, one or two sessions in them but they are good ideas to expose yourself to new things that are happening around things that you might want to learn or things that you have no idea about just go and attend those gives you a different perspective makes you uh, more uh, able to grasp different concepts attending conferences like nalcon there is cocon and uh, there are a bunch of other conferences in india if you attend those is a lot of b sides conferences that have popped up in india and across the globe i think so attending these conferences gives you a pack uh, or rather a power pack punch within those two days you got exposed to n number of entities what i suggest people who are attending these conferences is keep your notepads handy keep your phone uh, notes handy note down things that feel different to you note down things that are interesting to you 
two days don't spend time trying to explore those two days just try to note down as many new things as you want to explore and then go back and explore them while you are at the conference make connections connect with the speaker connect with people who are talking about those topics these connections will help you later on in understanding things very good very good advice as well there and uh you know there's a lot more time to absorb everything that you're exposed to later on uh you don't yeah. wait too long right because things change yeah, exactly. <laughs> so rapidly yeah. yeah but yes no i agree that you know forging the relationships learning about different things being exposed to stuff that you had no idea about or maybe it's something that you just heard about and now you're learning a little bit more about it and it's really got your interest right so now it's like yeah. wow this is something that I, I you know i thought i might want to learn more about now i definitely know yeah. i want to learn more about this so yes. Uh, is there anything else um, in terms of uh, like communities that people can get involved in? Because obviously there are, you know, lots of these communities online. Uh, if someone is interested in, you know, in learning more and getting online and, and getting engaged and, you know, contributing uh, ultimately, what yeah. do you recommend that people do to, to start becoming more active? Uh, I think the, the good part right now that we have is compared to my old uh, days, uh, we have abundance of communities. So there's Nalcon community, which keeps on doing events. You can basically follow Twitter and uh, other uh, social medias. Um, you get involved about posts. There is Null community, which basically runs monthly meetups on different cities, which are like physical meetups. There are OWASP uh, communities, which are again running meetups physically, maybe doing some other additional activities. Uh, there are communities like Nal who are doing more uh, Hamla Bachao or uh, so Hamla is a Hindi word for attack. Bachao is a Hindi word for defense. So they do these sessions where uh, it's attack or it's defense or they have a mixed batch where uh, a group of people would be attacking and a group of people would be defending. So you play a CTF uh, in that manner. Uh, so you do you have all these variation of events that are happening in the world. What I tell people is don't worry about which community should I join, which community is good, which community is bad, or which is more useful. Join a community. If you don't like it, move to the other community. No one is stopping you. No one is saying that you can only join one or uh, two. Uh, I, for example, do a lot of activity with Null and Nullcon, but I am parallelly involved with OWASP, Black Hat, to a bunch of other uh, conferences, bunch of other communities. Be involved in as many places as you can. Don't burn yourself out by being involved too much. But at the same time, don't hold yourself back saying, okay, I am associated with one community. I'm only going to be in that one community. Be in as many communities as you want and uh, keep yourself open about learning. Be involved in the social media space. Uh, I think right now X or Twitter is kind of on the downfall or on the stagnated way. LinkedIn is kind of making more waves. Blue Ski is there. Mastodon is there. Get involved in these communities. Understand how the systems are working and be part of as many discussion groups as you can. Good, good information for everybody. I want to, uh, we're already cranking through here getting to the end, but before we do, I wanted to just share my screen for those watching video. And then if you could just tell us a quick little bit about uh, Siphonoid and what that 
uh, what your company there is uh, is doing for people? Because I see there's information on right. training and research. You know, if we could just give us a quick overview of that. All right. So Siphonoid is a, a research-based company. We started with the idea that um, there are lots of uh, topics which are left non-researched because either in the corporate world, you're too focused in protecting your own assets or in the consulting world, you're too much focused on getting done uh, with the project and moving on to the next project. So deep dive research is what gets missed out. So that's where we took up research as our primary area. We took Android distributed web and web applications as our key areas. Uh, as part of Android, we are basically focusing on uh, the offense as well as defense aspects of Android applications. We're not looking at the OS itself, but we're more focused around the applications on the OS. Web applications side, uh, the main focus is towards the uh, supply chain security and the code assisted auditing. Uh, so this is where uh, I run another open source initiative called Code Vigilant, where we do code assisted uh, pen testing. Then uh, the distributed web is more of a uh, offshot moonshot research area where there are lots of open protocols that are coming up like ActivityPub and the indie web movement is there. Plus, there are lots of blockchain-based solutions that are coming up. The idea is to explore systems which are not requiring a central server to perform. So how those systems are evolving, how those systems are able to deal with the scenarios. And again, the offense and the defense aspect. So how can I attack them? And if I'm running them, how can I protect them? So on one side, we do all of these research. But then doing research on our own does not help anyone. So whatever we do as part of our research is what we are now piping out as our trainings. So that's where uh, Attack and Defend Android applications, this is a training that I've been doing at Black Hat for, I think, past two years. And this is where we look at Android applications. We take an approach where we try to attack an Android application on day one. And then on day two, we basically say, okay, you attacked all of it. Now let's look at how you can protect all of this and safeguard your application. So both attack and defense. Oh, similarly, the, yeah, similarly break and fix applications, web applications is again a hands-on application uh, assessment class where we take an approach where there are four languages in which we have written four different applications. You go to those applications, you break them. Once you've broken them, you know how the attack works. Now you go and fix them. So by the end of it, all four applications, you have broken into them and then you have fixed them. So that gives you a holistic picture around uh, the scenario. The supply chain security class beyond the code, securing your software supply chain, there's a new class that we've started. Now, when it comes to supply chain security, everyone talks about SBOM, which is the software bill of material, and everyone is touting it as the only solution that is there. I kind of disagree with that. And what we're doing with this particular training is giving people an end-to-end -end idea of, hey, you know what? not just your dependencies, but the credential for your Docker Hub ID to your build servers, to the extensions that are installed on your developer's desktop. These are all part of your problem. So you should be aware of all of these and you should have protections against all of these. So that's what we cover as part of this particular training. So again, the same approach, day one, we talk about attacks, day two, we talk about defense. Awesome. I think that's such a great way to approach it too, because then uh, people are able to, you know, see exactly 
both sides of the coin, as we talked about, right? Yeah. You need to know yeah. how things work. And, and you know, on the offensive side, you need to know the defensive side. You're actually taking them through that process in all areas of the, the yes. training and research that you do. So it's uh, very valuable, I would say, for people. And this is the sort of stuff that you yeah. present at the conference. I saw, you know, it's kind of like course outlines. So yes. that's yes. Uh, very good. So fascinating stuff. And I really appreciate you sharing you know, your information about uh, what it is that your company does and and the, the NOLCON conference and, you know, really why that's so valuable to people. And I think anybody listening who has either attended a conference will agree with us, right, that they're very valuable. Yeah. And if you haven't, you know, send, you know, some people in your business or go yourself, yeah. you know, even if it's, yeah. you know, a, a two-day conference, go for a day. You may find yourself wanting to stay yeah. for a second day, right? Yeah. So we have one more uh, good thing when it comes to Nelcon about that. We do okay. the conference in Goa. So you can actually mix business with pleasure and you can actually go to Goa, have a vacation, attend a conference and then come back. See, that's the best of both worlds right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Work hard, play hard. That's, that's you know, that's how yeah. you got to live. You know, you only got one life to live. You got to make sure you make the most of it. So. That's yeah. awesome. So we are coming to the end of the show, uh, Anand. I appreciate your time. Uh, it always goes quick. Too. Um, do you have any last thoughts or sort of key, you know, uh, thoughts that you want to leave with uh, with our audience today before we wrap? Uh, yeah, I mean, just one that this is a field which is right now changing dynamically, and every single week or a month there is something new popping up. Either you keep yourself on toes and keep yourself up to date on all of these. Or be part of these communities and these conference circuits. And that gives you a leg up because you get all those things packed up in a smaller packet and you can digest it easily. So that's that's what it is. Awesome. Fantastic. I appreciate that. And, you know, to all our listeners, we appreciate you listening uh, to uh, to our show. And if you're interested in learning any more about Anant or Siphonoid, you can check out their website. It'll be in the notes below this. Uh, the website is Siphonoid, C-Y-F, as in Foxtrot, I-N-O-I-D, as in Delta.com. Great information there. We just, uh, we're showcasing some of that for you uh, that have been uh, viewing it on our YouTube channel. If you're listening to it, make sure you check it out. You can see the different research areas and trainings that are available, some great information. And uh, also find them on social media, right? LinkedIn and Twitter. And uh, it's, uh, you know, we're all in this together. We're all trying to make this world a safer, more secure place. The criminals are not making it easy for us, but we have to keep fighting back, right? Be on the offense, be on the defense. So thank you so much for being here. And uh, thanks to our listeners again for tuning in. And uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. So until next time, everybody, please stay safe. And thanks again. Thanks for tuning in to Safety Talk. You can listen to past episodes and get the latest safety news at our website, safetytalkpodcast.com. Be sure to visit our other websites for free safety checklists and infographics. You can also sign up for free online self-defense training, learn about college campus safety, and find out more about Pete and how he can help educate your school or business through his speaking, workshops, seminars, and consulting. Subscribe to the Safety Talk podcast and never miss out on any new safety information. Until next time, stay safe.